Hello friends, and welcome to the Look and Live broadcast from Trinity Baptist Church in Hellwood, Tennessee. I am Andrew Hewitt and have the blessing of being one of the members of our church. And our pastor is Brother Dilbert Terry, who has pastored here since 1995. We are a Bible-believing fellowship, joined together by the Spirit of God through our conviction that God gave His words, He has preserved those given words, and that it is our responsibility to sow the seeds of those words into the whole world. Our goal is to honor God our Father and do that through His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about how to be saved, to learn more about our local church, or to listen to previous messages, you can go to our website at lookandlive.org. Once again, thank you for joining us today, and we trust that the songs and the message will be a blessing to you.
for the love of Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. And this is the first Sunday of a brand new year. And hope you're off to a good start. Um, and if so, something we pray will be said that will help you stay that course. And uh, if not, then hopefully something will be said to help you get on track. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get started this morning. Father, we do thank you for the love of Jesus Christ, and Lord God, this morning we pray that you and your love will minister to us by your Spirit. Lord, help me, God, I pray for utterance this morning. Lord, guide me in my thoughts and in my words. Bless the preparation, and Father, I pray that it will be uh, the message that many need to hear. Lord, that all of us will take to heart. God, may your word be magnified, and may we be helped to draw nigh to you and walk closer to you than we were when we came. Lord, if there's somebody here needing to get right, need, need to get out of the world, come in and draw nigh, Lord, I pray for them. And for someone need to get saved, God, may they understand the simplicity of the gospel, understand the urgency of their situation, and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ before it's too late. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, now, I've had you turn to Romans chapter 1, but let me make a reference over to the book of Ephesians, first of all. Uh, Paul there, in the context of Ephesians chapter 4, is... He is talking about our duties and our responsibilities as followers of Christ. 
And he says these words. He says that we henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And, and what he is saying right there very plainly is that a whole lot of people are walking around with a lot of vanity in their mind, with a lot of nothing in their heads. And Paul explains there, and he says that, that through their understanding, he says it is darkened, and that's bad enough, but he says they are alienated. They are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And, uh, and, and what I want to preach about today is ignorance is not bliss. What, what you don't know can certainly hurt you. Uh, the only thing to me more frustrating than sincere ignorance is, a, is an intentional stupidity. <laughs> and uh, if you're going to be offended because I use the word stupidity, um, hang around. There'll be a lot more <laughs> for you to cut your teeth on before we get through. Amen. But I'm following Paul's example of being rude in speech because I'm willing to risk you being offended today so I can make some points to you. So help me. God, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to run anybody off. Amen. I'm burdened heavily for our country. I'm burdened heavily for the generation of Americans that are coming up because so much has degenerated in our homes, in our schools, and in our churches. And, and this has happened in our lifetimes, much of it in just a matter of a few short years. And there's no sense telling us that it's not going on, it's not happening. We have witnessed all this with our own eyes. And some of us, we can't believe the way Americans are thinking anymore, uh, the way some, some talk out in public and say things, amen. I mean, you go back to the, the pandemic, uh, and, and you see the way people reacted and all that. Of course, all of us were concerned at first when we were hearing about what was coming and what was going to happen. And, and then in time, when the numbers didn't add up and things weren't weighing out the way they said it, and, uh, we began to ask questions. Some began to ask questions. And uh, suddenly they were called all these awful names because they had questions. Legitimate questions they just wanted answers to. Suddenly they're put in all kinds of brackets and all these terrible names and terrible things are being said about them. And, of course, they turned on one another and they made it a political thing. They have absolutely politicized everything uh, in this country. And, and what we're learning is that both sides lie, amen, because they're, they're trying to win an argument. They're not trying to tell you what's going on. And, and it's to the point you don't know who to believe. Uh, even when you look back at history, history revisionists have gotten in and they are complicit in completely trying to trash and, and malign everything about our nation. And they'll do it loud and they'll do it proud. And they're not, not even thinking that the only reason they have, uh, the, the, only, the only reason they have the right to say the things they're saying is because of the freedom that is provided by the nation they're saying all these ugly things about. But right now, folks, listen to me, it is the end thing uh, to be anti-American. And, and, and that's not all. It's the end thing to be anti-Christian and anti-Bible. And, and all things that are right, many in our culture are wrong on. And, and folks that have been coming to church here for years now, they know that this rant isn't new, that, that this is the kind of thing I've been banging on for years and years. I've been telling you, and even preachers before me, telling you what was coming, telling you what was coming before it's in the news, amen, long before people ever considered it possible and, and what it is, it, it is the spirit of Antichrist. And uh, we know the one we refer to as Antichrist is the man of sin, the beast, the son of perdition. Uh, that's a man. We're not talking about him. The, the Antichrist spirit was at work in John's day, and it's growing stronger. And there are reasons why behind that movement, behind that spirit, there is an anti-family philosophy. There are reasons why there is an anti-morality philosophy uh, globally speaking, while there's an anti-Israel movement and an anti-truth, and it's all right, you know, being attacked from so many angles that, that we really can't even name them. I mean, there's attacks coming from an, an anarchist point of view. Uh, there's attacks coming from a socialist point of view, from a liberal direction. Then from the left, uh, it's coming. Well, I, I distinguish the left from the liberal now because... There, there's those of the left that are so far out there that even the liberals are trying to separate themselves from it. And I understand that because uh, there's some conservatives, amen, uh, that I know uh, they're fiscal conservatives. 
They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the Bible. They don't care about family and the sanctity of marriage or the sanctity of human life. They're about the money. That's all. And they'll lie and swindle just as quick as any lying Democrat you ever listen to. Amen. And there's an attack coming from a theological position and coming from religious groups. And right here in this time, you are seeing people out loud reevaluate their thoughts about marriage, about child raising, about moral issues. They'll, they'll talk about politics and what is the best system of government and really how valid is the Constitution. And, and it's whether they're speaking about national defense or how many genders there are, or, or is the Bible necessary to faith, it is clear that a lot of people are just speaking a lot of nonsense. And, and with every generation taking a step further and further away uh, from the light of truth and biblical authority, we now have a generation that doesn't even suspect what the light of truth is, and they have no idea what you're talking about when you talk about biblical authority. And right now, there are those, these are those that are considered highly intelligent, and, and the educated elite who are talking these nonsense points. And, and they're doing it all to be appreciated. They're saying things that they know for a fact are not true. And they're simply saying these things for a cultural appreciation. The world has always been in the dark when it came to the truth. Uh, when I say the truth, I'm talking about the truth that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but now it is as if people have lost their marbles about things that are just have always been considered common sense as well. And you say, well, Brother Terry, you're being dramatic, you're being sensational, it's always been this way. No, friend, it has not always been the condition where it is considered hate speech by high-ranking government officials to recognize a man as a man and a woman as a woman. And it seems to me that social media platforms have elevated this foolishness and elevated it to a virtue uh, in our society today. People say ignorance is bliss, and bliss means to be happy or joyful. And so for the sake of unity and getting along, uh, people want to be appreciated. They are willingly ignorant of anything that's true or that is inconvenient to the agenda they're trying to further along or align themselves with. And some people, when they speak, you can tell they don't know up from down. And they're missing the boat when it comes to right from wrong and, and what's true from what is false. And they've made up their mind. They don't care that what they're saying doesn't make any sense. They do not care that it's blatantly wrong and patently false. And if it makes people happy to believe it, and they can see that as much as they're paying attention to social media platforms anyway, it makes them look good just to repeat that mantra and, and hold that position and try to gain the favor of the people they're trying to please. Bottom line, here's what I'm saying. They're wrong, they're talking nonsense, and they don't care. And these are the so-called experts we're talking about, and people are cheering them on as if they're right. Now, folks, that's what I mean by an intentional stupidity. Scientists say, follow the science, and, and then you do. And, and empirical science can be proven, it can be demonstrated, it can be observed. And so when you weigh out the evidence, you realize the science is not backing up what they're saying it's saying. And so when you, when you kick back at what they're saying, because what they're saying absolutely is unscientific, then the attitude is, don't follow the science, listen to the scientist. They know better. And what people don't realize is that the scientists they're referring to, the ones they recognize anyway, are the ones that have sold out for the agenda. <laughs> They're the ones that have sold their soul. They're no longer interested in facts. They're trying to promote an agenda there. See, they'll promote ignorance. They'll applaud ignorance. And that's what we're talking about today. Ignorance is not a good thing. It is not bliss, amen, and it will hurt you. You've got to know some things. Here in Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing to the saints that are at Rome, and he wants to visit them, and he's heard great things about their faith, and he wants to come and he wants to encourage them uh, in the work of God, their faith has been spoken of throughout the whole world. He wants to let them know the things he's heard. And so he says there in verse 11, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. What he's saying simply is, I can help you. You can help me if we could just get together. And Paul's having a hard time pulling that off. He says in verse 13, 
Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was led hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as, in me, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And, and Paul's words here, they're conveying that there's some good things that are going on there with the saints at Rome, and he wants to be a part of it. He wants to be there, and they might have wondered, you know, why he wasn't, why he hadn't been through there, why he hadn't visited them, and why it seemed he wasn't interested in coming. And so in verse 13, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. And basically, he's saying, I've had plans to come, but something keeps getting in the way. Things keep stopping that from happening. But that phrase, ignorant brethren, that catches my eye this morning. <laughs> because I believe it's the fastest growing denomination in Christianity today. <laughs> ignorant brethren, it's not bliss. It, it is costly, amen. And I'm preaching against ignorance this morning. And, amen, I don't want to brag. <laughs> but I'm like an expert, amen. I've made all the mistakes myself. Now, sometimes ignorance is not reflective of intelligence at all. Sometimes it's speaking of what a person has been exposed to or what a person hasn't been exposed to. And they just don't know any better because they haven't had access to learning. But there are times it is that they, they have had access to truth. They have had access to the light they need, but they're ignoring it. They're just not paying attention. They're unmoved by it. They're unaffected by it. Folks, that's ignorance. In some cases, it is that they've been confronted with it. Uh, it's been told to them, and they understand it. But still yet, still yet, it carries no weight with them. It doesn't move them. They're no better off from having heard or been exposed to that knowledge because even having heard it, uh, they haven't applied it to their lives. It's like being dirty and thinking you're okay because you own a bar of soap or a bottle of soap. But you got to use it, amen. <laughs> Just having it doesn't mean you're okay. That would be ignorant. And that's the biblical, biblical use of the word, amen. I, I heard a story about a man that was going to visit an old friend of his from high school. And he knew where he lived. And when he went by there, the house had made all these improvements. The guy was doing really well for himself. This big, nice house. And he got out, and he was just amazed. He walked up, he knocked on the door, couldn't wait to see his old friend from school. And all of a sudden, this big, muddy dog comes and starts jumping all over him on the front porch. Beautiful house, beautiful yard, and a big, giant, muddy, stinky dog is all over him. And he's knocked on the door. The man comes to the door, and they hug. Hey, brother, and they see each other. They're so glad to see each other. And as soon as they hug, boy, that dog goes running in the house. And they go in there and they sit down in the living room. That dog's running from one of that house to the other end of that house. It's jumping on all that white, clean furniture. It's messing up all the carpet and everything else. Finally, it just knocks over a bunch of stuff and breaks it. And this guy's sitting there thinking. He's thinking, why does this guy allow this dog to do this in this house? And the man finally just says to him that owns the house, he says, Brother, he said, I'm going to have to ask you to get your dog out of here. And he says, that's not my dog. <laughs> and that's the way I feel like, you know, with people, you know, it's, you've got to identify some things to find out, you know, what the problem is because there's ignorance on all levels. There are those who are ignorant, just don't know any better, so ignorant. They don't know they're ignorant. They don't even know what the problem is. They don't even suspect there is a problem. For some, they could have learned, but they didn't. And then someone comes along and tells them and shows them what it is they needed to know, and they're unaffected. They do nothing about it. With some folks, when it comes to Bible truth and sound doctrine, they just don't know any better. They haven't, they haven't heard. But they could have learned. <laughs> and, and some of them have, have had it put to them. They've, they've seen it in the Word, and it still didn't change their opinion. They're going to hold to their tradition there because they're looking in the wrong direction for answers. They're looking to man for answers instead of the Word of God. And so they're always going to be, you know, this problem of ignorance there. They're never going to be able to make sense out of the Bible because they've embraced tradition. Now, they say ignorance is bliss. And if that's the case, some people are a blizzard. <laughs> now, I don't, I, 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 if you don't know about something, that's one thing. But you can learn. And, and a person doesn't have to stay in the dark. You can learn, and the difficulty for some is that they choose the ignorance of man over the inspiration of the Bible. And, and what I'm showing you this morning is, over and over again, it is stated in the Word of God that God does not want us to be ignorant. And to be ignorant 
will alienate us from the good things of God and it will cause us to live in darkness. Well, that much said, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians now and get chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And understand that God gives wisdom. God gives knowledge. God gives understanding. Those things come from Him. Uh, There's a difference in collecting facts and being exposed to a body of truth. Uh, There's a difference in memorizing things to pass a test. And then being able to apply those things to your life so that you can be right, so that you can be godly. And uh, it, it, it may not make sense to some folks, but that's why they're ignorant. <laughs> Christ said, he said, my words are all plain to him that hath understanding. My words are all plain to him that hath understanding. Christ didn't say you, you lack intelligence. He didn't say you lack education. What he said was you need understanding. And understanding comes from the light of the Word of God. And God's Word, brethren, was given for doctrine. It was given for reproof. It was given for correction. It was given for instruction in righteousness. But some folks, according to the Apostle Paul, they're alienated from all those things because of the ignorance that's in them. And we don't have to be ignorant. Now here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says to these saints, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So first off, let me say a thing or two about being ignorant when it comes to spiritual gifts. And I'm going to shoot straight with you on this one. Amen. There's a lot of ignorance on this subject. Because the Bible says that we are to study the word of truth and we're to be rightly dividing the word of truth. And some folks, they never read the Bible They don't know how to study it, and therefore they're in the dark when it comes to how to rightly divide it. And frankly, there's just a lot of what's on television that poses as Christian ministry that is really missing the boat on all this. They are frankly ignorant about spiritual gifts. Uh, There have been for many years now healers, those that are called faith healers, uh, and there have been those that have given money for miracles, and it's just one embarrassing scandal after another. And what you should realize is, yes, Christ did perform the works of God when He was on earth, which was His ministry. He was testifying to it before the Jews. Why? Because the Bible says that the Jews require a sign. And when God started dealing with them as a people, He did so with signs and with wonders. Uh, There was Moses on the backside of the desert, and he said, How do I know? How can I prove to them that you have sent me? And God gave him signs. God turned that rod into a serpent. And God healed that leper's hand. And God would turn the water to blood. point is, God began dealing with the Jews in signs. And so, the Jews require a sign, and for good reason. And God gave them signs. Whenever the message He's seeking to get across to them concerns them as a people or concerns them as a nation, He gives them signs. And when Christ came the first time there, He came to prove He was the Christ. He was the anointed of the Lord. He's the king of the Jews. He's the holy one of Israel. He came to seek the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was the focus of his ministry. And so he gave them signs and worked miracles to prove that he was who he said he was. Then later, as he would return to heaven, back to God the Father, he would empower those apostles there who had signs and wonders, proving they were his apostles. And for a while there in the book of Acts, there's a probationary period for the nation of Israel. And then once Israel has fully rejected God's offer, God begins to move away from them, and He begins to go more towards the Gentiles. And that's what the doctrine is in the book of Acts. It's a transitional period where you're going from Peter in his ministry to Paul in his ministry, where you're going from Israel to the Gentiles. That's the transition that's taking place, and God was provoking them to jealousy, provoking Israel to jealousy, just like he said in those Old Testament prophets, he was, going to turn, he was going to turn to a people who they didn't consider to be a people because they had turned to gods which he knew weren't gods. And he was going to provoke them to jealousy. And so at the early part of the church there, you had apostles, they had signs, they had miracles, proving the message, testifying to the Jew because the Jew requires a sign. And folks, it's just clear as a bell there. And we understand that there's a future period uh, that's going to take place concerning Israel. And it's coming. Right now, though, for 2,000 years, God's not dealing with Israel nationally. 
And he's not dealing with the Jew as a people. He's working on the church. He's working on the body of Christ through the preaching of the gospel and the work of New Testament local churches and missions. And God, his work towards Israel is on pause. And so right now, the gospel ministry, our message, is simply about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are no signs. And there are no wonders. And when you fall for that stuff, you show you're desperate in need of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. I, I, I can't believe how these guys get away with it. I really don't. You say, well, preacher, what about speaking in tongues? Well, Scripture's absolutely clear. Speaking in tongues was simply a matter of other languages. And the reason why they were given that gift of tongues was because they needed to reach all those nations with the message they were given because it looked like early on in the book of Acts things were wrapping up. And here's what we're told. Tongues are for a sign. And we're told straight out, they're a sign for the unbelieving Jew. Folks, that's what the Bible says. And the scripture could not be clear. Tongues is not a bunch of gibberish that no one can understand, even the person speaking it. And as a Christian, I'm embarrassed. I am embarrassed by the so-called Christian programming on television, the vast majority of such being charismatic, the charismatic movement. Now, that's their title for themselves. Charismatic means gifted. And they're all about the signs and the healing and the wonders. Well, why does this embarrass me? Well, frankly, it misrepresents the message of the gospel. And it deceives people. But more than being embarrassed is the level of frustration I feel by all that. Because I believe that ignorance of spiritual gifts through that charismatic movement leads to unrealistic grand illusions or else it robs a person of their faith altogether. And these are serious problems. On the one hand, you have people walking around talking about being healed. They've claimed it. And they're still sick. And they think, well, that's faith. To act like what's happened hasn't happened. And they've claimed it. They've spoken into existence, you see. On the other hand, you have others who look at all that and they say, see that? That's fake. That's phony. They say, this isn't us. We're not this way. They say, this is all a bunch of pretend nonsense. And folks, they're the ones that are deluded. And they don't understand that what they're pointing to isn't faith. It isn't any way a representation of faith. It's somebody saying things. On the one hand, you've got faith is phony. It's not real. It's delusion. On the other hand, you've got folks saying, Oh, I've just claimed it. I've just spoken into existence. And, and, and they're living delusional. Amen. Not even representing what's it all about. It's, it's a joke, but it's not funny. And the punchline is failure. The punchline is miserable failure. They end up giving up and going away or else living the lie on their path of self-deception. And people, Satan is working both sides against this thing. He's working both sides. The deceiver has worked overtime giving false representation to this world by Christians, uh, of Christians, through fake believers, uh, through corrupt believers that are messed up in their doctrine, through confused believers that are messed up in their doctrine. And it's so difficult to even try to witness to the lost anymore because their idea of Christianity is what they've seen on Benny Hinn. And folks, that's not Christianity. Kenneth Copeland, he has no representation of a local New Testament Bible-thumping church. That ain't us, brethren. <laughs> That ain't us. And we don't carry the water for that stuff. Uh, they, they don't want to hear the gospel and it's not because of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything they don't like about Jesus. It's his followers. And they've wrapped all the followers into that category of what they've watched on television. You know what that is? That's ignorance. And they're ignorant brethren. The Bible talks about being ignorant of spiritual gifts. God says, be not ignorant of spiritual gifts. And some are. They're willfully so either by not knowing any better, won't learn any better, and will refuse the truth when it's shown right to them. They won't have it. That's ignorance. Look, if you would, at Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Something else we should not be ignorant of, and that's the prosperity of the wicked. Psalm 73. People out there making it, getting ahead, getting rich, and they're doing wrong. There's liars and thieves and people that do nothing but sue and try to get something that belongs to somebody else. 
And what you need to understand is sometimes it works. Amen. Sometimes they get away with it, at least for now. The Bible's very plain in some cases, the wicked prosper. And you need to understand life in its context. It's temporary. Things down here are under the curse of sin. And truth is, there's a certain delegation of power that has been given uh, to the devil who is the god of this world because of sin. And he's called the prince of the power of the air and things, you know, they, 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 they go this way and you need to understand the great scheme of things and the way it's working there or you may get discouraged yourself. When you see somebody who's lying getting ahead, amen, what's more frustrating than a politician that lies all the time and gets votes? You know they're lying. You know everybody else knows they're lying, but they're getting votes. That's frustrating. Here in verse 1, Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What the psalmist is saying is I looked up to them. I respected them. I wanted what they had. For, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. He goes on to describe them as not caring about right and wrong, giving no thought as to God and, and, and who gets hurt in their prospering. And, and, you know, the man's saying, what's the use of doing right? What does it matter? It does seem to pay to do wrong when you look at these people. Drop down to verse 15. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He said, if I, if I really said what I'm thinking, I'm going to offend everybody. He said, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. You know, he's saying, he's saying, it looked to me like they had it made. And that's what I thought until I went to the sanctuary. We would say, I went to church, <laughs> and at church God opened my eyes. He said, surely thou didst set them, the wicked, in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. In other words, things aren't the way they look. Uh, they, they look like they're making it, but it's all leading downhill. It's all leading to destruction. And all they have, all they've gotten is just blinding them towards their future end. Verse 19, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. He said, the way I was thinking, I was, I was so ignorant. I thought they had it made. I thought they were to be envied. I, I thought I wanted their life. He said, you know what my problem was? I was ignorant. Two things that bother people the most, they say, are why did the righteous suffer and why did the wicked prosper? And I believe that's certainly things that people worry about. Nothing will be more sobering to you when you're trying to do right and you're in the middle of a faith-scalding trial and you look over here and there's somebody, they don't care about God, they don't care about doing right. And they're getting ahead. Everything seems to be roses. And you start looking at it, your situation with their situation, and you start weighing it out according to what you're looking at. Folks, that's a dangerous predicament to be in. You can't be ignorant in those matters. <laughs> the thing ain't over yet. This situation is what Job was confused about. He said this, The tabernacles of robbers prosper. They that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. And Job said, I don't understand this, Lord. They're getting ahead. They're getting away with blasphemy, and you're blessing them. And then you go to the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee. Yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all, thy, all they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. In other words, they talk a good deal, but their heart is far removed from God. And here in the Psalms, when God finally showed him what he was doing in God's house, 
what the psalmist said is, I was, I was ignorant. So foolish was I. I was ignorant as a beast before thee. Psalms 37 verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. What you don't know can hurt you. And it can hurt others. When it comes to prosperity of the wicked, you better not be ignorant of that thing. Because you get in a trial and you feel like that doing right's not worth it. You're looking at it all wrong. <laughs> we don't do right to get ahead. We don't do right to prosper. We do right because it's right. We do right because the Lord is the Lord. And we want to please the Lord. Go to 1 Corinthians and get chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I won't spend a lot of time on this, even though I probably should. <laughs> but uh, you shouldn't be ignorant when it comes to the consequences of lusting after evil things. And I covered this to some degree when we were having Lord's Supper here. And to lust means to want, to desire. And, and there are things out there in the world, frankly, this world deceives you into thinking, you know, that it's something you need. It's something you've got to have. And you lust after it and it's evil. And it can cost you. And here's what uh, God's doing. He's given us an example of this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, uh, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. And all this happens, Israel coming out of Egypt 1,500 years before Christ is born. Uh, as we've been talking about in Sunday school, it's a testimony of our own salvation. Their redemption was a physical redemption out of bondage. Ours is a spiritual redemption from the bondage of sin. Uh, but here it says in verse 5, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. And, and as strong as I know how to say it, study and strive to be content. Strive to be grateful followers of Christ. Keep yourselves from idols. Stay away from complaining. Flee fornication. Don't be ignorant. Lusting after evil things will only hurt you. Go to Romans chapter 10. And I'm, I'll finish up on two more real quick. Romans chapter 10. And there's a lot we could deal with. Over 2 Corinthians 2.11 it says we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And then uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 1.18 he's talking about being ignorant of trials and afflictions that accompany the work of God. And Romans 1.13, where we were talking there, where we started, Paul's talking about the, uh, the, the hardship of the ministry and trying to be in more than one place at the same time. You can't do it. And 1 Thessalonians 4.13, talking about being ignorant of the resurrection of the dead in Christ. And uh, Romans 11, verse 25, he's talking about being not ignorant of the partial blindness that has happened to Israel. All these things are important. You don't need to be ignorant of them. But here... In Romans chapter 10, we should not be ignorant when it comes to the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. 
And, and of course, uh, here's a group that has a zeal of God. They're workers, they're go-getters, they're, they're religious. They're going about, he says, to establish their own righteousness. But, but their zeal is not according to knowledge. And it, it happens with Christians where we get all excited about what we're doing, trying to get everybody else excited about what we're doing for God. But our zeal is no good. It's not according to knowledge. And uh, if God's not going to allow us to, to glory in our knowledge and wisdom, you know he's not going to allow us to glory in our ignorance, amen. But uh, a lot of folks have gotten carried up away with what they're doing, uh, and they're doing it without knowledge. But, but this isn't religious brethren Paul's talking about. This is, not, this is not brethren that are excited about something God's not excited about. These are unsaved people, and they're ignorant of God's righteousness. And... He wants them to understand that the, that the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work is the end for the law of righteousness. And the point is that as long as they're content to, to get excited about church and get excited about religious things, get excited about their good works, and thinking that's going to earn them eternal life, they're never going to be submitting themselves to the righteousness of God, and therefore they're never going to have it. And you can't get to heaven without the righteousness of God. It doesn't matter how religious you are and how excited you are about what you're doing. You've got to submit yourself to the righteousness of God. One more and I'm through. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. It's a statement recorded in the Word of God about the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord proves to be a period of time. And as I said this morning in Sunday school, it'll take you from the end of the period of wrath at the end of the tribulation period to the second coming of Christ, the battle of Armageddon, and then the kingdom, right up into the destruction of the planet right before the white throne judgment. That's the day of the Lord. And uh, I can't go into it this morning, but let me just say this. Christ is coming for His people, and we're going up. When Christ comes, we're going up. He's not coming down. We're going to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord but once we're gone, at some point, uh, there, there's coming tribulation on this whole earth. And there's going to be great deception, worse than it is now. And there's going to be great destruction, worse than it is now. And there's going to be great death that's going to happen. I mean, the bigger, better wars are on the way. And Satan's going to run his course. And sin's going to run its course. And flesh is going to run its course. And even the, the things of this planet are going to give out because it's all on the clock. And you talk about natural, national disasters that's going to happen. It's literally going to start falling apart. The Bible talks about that the Lord Himself is going to rise and shake terribly the earth. That's what's coming. Amen. I'm glad I'm not going to be here. Because I'm leaving. And that's the, that's the invite. Amen. Well, we're not just prophets of gloom and doom. We're trying to tell you, you don't have to go down with a sinking ship. And this world has had it. But listen, after the tribulation period, Christ is coming again. And when He comes, He's going to have His armies in heaven with Him. That's all His glorified saints will coming back to earth with the Lord. And the Bible says that in righteousness, He will judge and make war. And it's called the day of His wrath. Christ is returning and it is outraged omnipotence. Amen. You're not going to think of a more terrible thought than that right there outraged omnipotence and by the end of the battle the Holy One of Israel the King of the Jews the King of Heaven the Son of David the Son of God is going to sit upon the throne of David He's going to reign over all the earth He's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron friends that's what the Bible says clearly with that in mind 2 Peter 3 8 says beloved but beloved but be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And there is a whole lot of truth packaged in that statement right there, which we're told not to be ignorant of. And frankly, I don't have time to cover it this morning. I'll just say, you know, there's a six-day schedule there, and the Lord's got it all plotted out, and it's going to come down to the, to the scale. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but here's my point to you today. You need to know you're on the clock. We're all on the clock, literally, we don't need to be ignorant of that fact. Every time some disaster happens, some natural disaster happens, they're going to talk about global warming. Why? Because they're ignorant. Amen. It ain't global. I don't care. The things of seasons change. The climate changes. Of course the climate changes. And there's cycles in years and decades. There's cycles they've worked out that they can figure out. 
Scientists know that climate's changing. What they, what they also know is it ain't man-made climate change. And that's a power grab. That's all that is. It's a power grab to rob us of our national sovereignty as a nation so that we'll be beholden to the United Nations. And, and that's what's going on with all that there. But let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell you. This ain't going to come down just like the Lord says it's coming down. And you don't need to be ignorant of it. You're on the clock. The reason why nature's wearing out is because it's on the clock. It's waxing old as another garment. That's what's happening. The, the ozone's wearing out. It ain't your aerosol cans. <laughs> it, it's, it's generations that have passed and come and gone. When God said, in the beginning, the clock started. If there's a beginning, folks, there's an end. And you're heading towards it. Don't be ignorant. Jesus is coming for the church before the tribulation ever gets here. And the storm of the tribulation and all the winds are kicking up. And we can feel it. And we can see it. It's on the way. And we're not going to be here for any of it, those of us that are saved. And so look up. Amen. You only got so much time. I don't know when the Lord's coming, but here's what I do know. Absolutely. He is coming. And we need to live for it. You have been listening to the Look and Live broadcast from Trinity Baptist Church of Helenwood, Tennessee. We have material to help you when it comes to those who desire to know the Lord personally in the way of salvation and for discipleship for those who have been saved and desire to grow in their faith. We also have material for those who are struggling against the problem of addiction. If you or a loved one are dealing with this problem, we have the book Wall Builders, written by Pastor Terry, and we have a small booklet called Understanding Your Loved Ones, written by Sister Katie Hearn. If you are interested in these materials, or if you have any other questions about us or the Bible, you can contact our church at lookandlive.org, or you can email Pastor Terry at preachingchrist at hotmail.com. You can also call us at 423-627-1611, or you can write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 1611 Glass House Road, Ellenwood, Tennessee, 37755. Whenever you are in the area, we would like to invite you to come and join us for a time of good fellowship around the Word of God. God bless you and good day. This graduation music evokes fond memories for many of us. Communities and Schools is proud to play an important role in the lives of so many high school graduates. As the nation's leading dropout prevention organization, we work inside public schools to ensure that at-risk kids have the chance to see this day. Hear what some recent graduates had to say about Communities and Schools. They've always had my back. They've always done anything to help me. Communities and Schools is critical to the success of students whose ability to attend school is often jeopardized by hardships. They've been there for when I've had any questions any problems personally, anytime I needed support, they were there. At Communities and Schools, we not only help kids progress to the next grade, we support them on the path to graduation. It means a lot to you to graduate. It's just a big accomplishment. Communities and Schools never gave up on me. They told me I can do it, and I did it. Communities and Schools proudly serves 1.5 million students every year. Help us give all 11 million at-risk kids the support they need and the same chance for a better future. To learn how you can lend a hand, go to communitiesandschools.org. Giving God the glory through positive and uplifting music. This is New Life Radio 90.7 WGSN Newport. I've been held by the Savior. I felt fire from above I've been down to the river I ain't the same A prodigal's return All my hope is in Jesus Thank God my Yesterday's gone 
sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood. I'm no stranger to the prison. Jesus 